0: Welcome to another edition of the YXC Sports Podcast for the week of May the 11th, Gray Morrison. That is hard to believe, hey?
1: It is, yeah. Long weekend. Next weekend, we'll probably record. We may record on the 18th. We may record on the 19th next week. Um, Yet to be determined, but yeah, we are uh, literally days away, hours away from the uh, May long weekend already.
0: Of course, the YXC Sports Podcast now brought to you by Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar. So make sure you keep Gary and Byron and the crew over there busy throughout these uh, uncertain times. And we might as well dive right into it because we got a full show lined up today. And uh, it seems like uh, now the CFL is kind of changing. Every every single day there's something new going on with the CFL, Ray.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it was an interesting week last week when um, Randy Ambrosi uh, appeared before the 12-member Standing Committee of Finance uh, as the federal government is looking to give out some $500 million to arts, culture, sports, and charitable donation groups, and so there were eight different groups or eight different witnesses that came before this Standing Committee on Thursday, and... Um, Randy Ambrosi was one of them and it's been well documented he was looking for $30 million if uh, right now if there is no season and was looking for as much as $120 million if there's no you know to get him going through the next offseason so $30 million if there's a September start $120 million or another $120 million if the season gets cancelled and um, someone we all know uh, Kevin Waugh, the Conservative MP for Saskatoon Grasswood, asked Brandy Ambrose a very simple question and that was okay, so is this a loan or a bailout? That was that was, and it's a legitimate question in my mind and Randy Ambrose did not appear to be ready for that question and quote, here is what Randy Ambrose said, we want to earn this money and pay taxpayers back by delivering real value through a Partnership with government. I have no idea what that means. And I'm not sure Randy Ambrose did. And uh, the other thing that was brought up during this uh, committee hearing was the fact that the players weren't even involved in this. It was Randy Ambrose kind of going it alone. And when further asked, you know, where the 30 million might go, where the 120 million might go, he really didn't have, you know, sort of a solid layout. Of that, we do know that there's an administration cap in the CFL that I think covers 25 people, coaches and and admin staff. That's under three million dollars, and we know that the salary cap is over five. So, those two things alone, your payroll is eight million dollars per team, right there. So, you know that's 72 million dollars per season for the nine CFL teams, right off the bat. But, you know, he, he Randy didn't go down that far. And he, I don't know if he was quite prepared for that line of questioning. It is odd to me that the players weren't consulted or involved. And it's odd to me that there was just no indication in front of this 12-member committee and among these eight witnesses that there was no sort of direction of what he was going to do with this cash. Well, as you can imagine, since Thursday – uh, this has really hit the headlines Thursday night, Rick Westhead of t s n was talking about how Ambrosie was being grilled by Kevin Waugh on the standing committee. I do know for a fact that Kevin Waugh did a number of interviews on Friday uh, for media outlets across the country uh kind of uh, giving his take on what he thought had happened and and i, I you know i I have to agree with Kevin. there 's just so many more. Questions and answers you know with regards to how the cFL is going to spend this money if they get it from from the federal government, so that's that's obviously and you, you know I think Kevin is being by some not all, but there are people that might suggest that Kevin Waugh has a dislike for the Canadian Football League, and that is the farthest thing from the truth you know nobody wants to c f l see the CFL fold. nobody wants to see. IG Field in Winnipeg or, you know, Mosaic Stadium in Regina sit without tenants in it. Nobody wants that. That's not what we're saying. But there has to be some questions about the business model of the Canadian Football League. The one thing that Kevin Waugh also pointed out was the fact that you have the three community-owned teams: Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton. And then you've got some very wealthy owners across the Canadian Football League. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Being one of them, and I'll say this again: Austin Matthews' salary will cover the payroll of two Canadian foot, one Canadian Football League team for two seasons. Right there, so um, I didn't think the questioning was out of line, um, and I just wish that for the CFL's sake that uh, the commissioner, who I really like, I really like the job Randy has done. I just kind of wish that uh, in front of that twelve-member committee, he would have had some, some more. Answers that were a little more palatable.
0: You brought up the uh the, the point there about nobody wants to see IG Field in Winnipeg empty, which is a beautiful facility, I might add, as yep. is the new Mosaic Stadium in Regina. So you know, there's a lot of people that think this might be permanently damaged. The CFL might be permanently damaged and pulled if, if yeah. they can't get this bailout. So in that scenario, I don't think that's gonna happen, but in that scenario what happens to these stadiums because uh, where's the money for these stadiums coming out of? Well, the taxpayers of the province.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and you think of the money that's owed on both of those facilities, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, there's a lot of money still owed to many, to many groups, especially the federal government who, you know, um, got money from the city of Regina for that banking on a surcharge from tickets that sort of, was going in that direction. Um, I'd have to do some research on on how the funding went into IG Field in Edmonton, but here, here or in Winnipeg, pardon me. But here's the other thing too, uh, Matt. Randy Ambrosi said the CFL loses; it could lose up to ten million dollars on what might be described as an average year, and up to twenty on a bad year. You know, and that's you know, and again, I go back to the point: when will the people of Central Canada catch on to this league? like we've been waiting for this forever for it to take off in Toronto and it just has not, is not, will not take off there. And it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch because as people have pointed out to me, you know, the economic spinoff of a great cup in Regina could be 80 to 90 to $100 million to the province of Saskatchewan. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you need the other teams in there to do that, and you know perhaps it's being viewed that this is the cost of business to lose this much money every year for the economic spinoff that that could go into different um, communities and provinces across the nation. But that's that's a that's a tough one, and I don't know what the answer is. But uh, I was among the many that was a little bit confused by Randy Ambrose's um, sort of delay in having a good answer in front of that that 12 member committee back on Mm -hmm. Thursday.
0: Well, and you bring up the thing about why the CFL in Toronto isn't working. And I don't have a a good answer for you either, but I always love the story that you tell about the 2007 gray cup when the riders beat the bombers. Uh, well at that point, which was the, the Rogers center in, uh, Toronto, but it was, I think it was Grey cup Sunday. You were there, but I think it was Grey cup Sunday. And, and somebody walked up to you and, uh, another member of the media and said, Hey, what's, what's going on today?
1: Like well, that. so it, so the 2007 Grey Cup, it's Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. So you've got two football hotbeds playing in the Grey Cup game. And so as you can imagine, there is watermelon bras and face paint and gold wigs and people decked out like superheroes from Winnipeg. And they're all in this one Tim Hortons. I think it's out Front Street. It's about probably a block and a half from one set of doors at uh, at the Rogers Centre. And, uh, yeah, the guy behind the counter asked me, and he says to me, and I quote, why is everybody dressed up? That's what the guy said to me an hour and a half before the Great Cup game. And uh, I was so angry that I vowed and will not go to a Great Cup game in Toronto ever again after that.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but all this uh, CFL talk has made me hungry. And right now at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar, they're offering daily specials starting at just $10 when you order curbside pickup like their family combo feature, which is two Wendell burgers and four mini burgers or six hand breaded chicken tenders with fries for just 30 bucks. Stay safe and eat great with Wendell Clark's classic grill and bar on the corner of circle and Idlewild fantastic food there as always. Uh, Canada West has been announcing or has announced changes to its 2020, 2021 schedule. This goes for all sports and it's, what it? and it's basically just fewer games, less travel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. basically what it's going to break down to. Uh, it is only going to be eligible for 2020, 2021. So it's not a, a forever thing, but uh, some of the most notable is football. The schedule is going to go to five games. It has been at eight games uh, in the previous year. So each I think we talked about that last week. Once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, soccer is uh, 10 games per team. Hockey. This one's okay. interesting. 20 games per team so two games versus each team plus two additional games based on your team's location so as an example the university of saskatchewan huskies will play their two game series against everybody uh and then they'll play regina and manitoba an additional two extra times okay um, yeah for for the season just to to balance out and stuff like that and uh you know the release that was uh, sent out today as well. It's not necessarily just COVID-related, uh, but a lot of the the universities, especially the smaller ones, are feeling the financial uh, effects and the financial hits of this. So that also goes into it. But uh, you know, what kind of you know burden does this cause for some of these smaller universities?
1: Well, you know, we, and I think it was last week or the week before, you and I talked about the hockey programs at Lethbridge, how they had to fix those. And you know what it is? It's all, yeah, it's all government related. I do like what Dave Hardy said on the heels. Dave Hardy is the athletic director at the University of Saskatchewan, or the chief athletic officer, I think the title is. And Dave Hardy basically said, you know, it's imperative that we have our football team because football was just the topic that was brought up at the time, but it's imperative that we have these student athletes play a meaningful season. So there's that balance between that. And as you said, funding the, the athletics across Canada West and across the country. And it's, it's no easy feat because as we saw with Lethbridge, some of the government funding, uh, especially in Western Canada, where oil prices have been down, obviously the pandemic isn't helping matters at all anywhere. But um, the the one thing about it is, um, it it makes a little bit of sense to kind of limit your travel right now. And the reason that I say that is because um, it's you know I think by the time any sort of season starts, I don't think North America is going to be totally rid of COVID nineteen. I think there're still going to be cases of it. I think this could linger for a little while, but we have to get back to we have to get back to some sort of, you know, normalcy here. So I think what they're going to do is try to limit travel. So that could be one of the reasons along with the financial reasons that go into, you know, maybe the University of Manitoba not going out to Vancouver as often as they would because of the costs that uh, that that go into that. It's um kind of goes in line though a little bit, believe it or not, with what a source out of New York is saying about Major League Baseball perhaps starting training camp a month from now. Again, our record date is May the 11th. May the 11th. Um, And there would be a shortened season of 70, 80 games and more teams make the playoffs. But how they would limit travel would be to play within your own division, except for the interleague games, which would be in the adjacent division to the other leagues. So the American League Central will take on the National League Central teams in uh the interlocking travel and west west and east east. And yeah, it's it's you know, that's not a it's not a bad way to go. So they're talking about eighty two season games and then expanding the playoffs. And you know, so kind of what what you're saying with regards to Canada West in travel, in Canada West there could be a muddy reason for that as well. But in Major League Baseball, you're kind of minimizing that travel that teams have to go through, knowing that uh, with this pandemic, we're still, not, uh, we're still not free and
0: clear. I'm all for that, by the way. Like any sort of live sports that we can get going here, it's, I'm yeah, all for it. Yeah. I caught myself watching UFC on Saturday. Uh, of course, they had a live event. No fans in the stands, obviously. And uh, I think that was the first time that I ever actually watched uh, UFC. Okay. Okay. You're up here You okay. saw
1: something on Twitter. Oh, my blood you, has been boiling all day. Okay, so this is it, Matthew. I'm I'm turning <laughs> the puck over to you on this one. So, so this go is, ahead.
0: This is from Ryan Rashog of TSN, based out of Edmonton. Yep. Just uh, a fantastic Great guy. T.S. Fantastic guy and a fantastic yep. reporter as well. Yep. And uh, so he put this on Twitter uh today. Had a conversation with an infectious disease specialist about possible ways to modify the game to re- reduce the risk of the virus spreading during play. I'm not suggesting any of these are necessary. Simply relaying what a few of the options could be. The NHLPA would obviously have to sign off on them and yada, yada, yada. So here are the things, and I'm just going to say it right now. Every single one of these is absolutely terrible. Okay. Okay. So... Full face shields, potentially modified to reduce spread of droplets even further. No fighting allowed. No scrums after whistles for linesmen to have to break up. Coaches social distanced on the bench and wearing face masks on the bench. Wingers to maintain two feet of distance on face-offs instead of the traditional crossing of sticks and leaning into one another's space and no spinning on the ice or the bench. Now, every single one of those things that I just listed off might be the stupidest thing that I have seen on the internet <laughs> in a very long time. You're telling, has been... me, no, listen, <laughs> you're telling me that the wingers can't line up closer yeah. than two feet apart on a face off. What's going to happen when there's a puck battle along the boards? Is the, the only, that yeah, terrible, the... no, terrible, terrible, the All the of those. The... terrible.
1: Okay, the only thing I could get on board with, of any, of, and I'm with you, Matt, for the most part, I could get on board with the full face shields because they do that in minor hockey. So if I had to mm. watch a hockey game, an NHL game, and players are wearing full face shields, the camera's so far away, that one, eh, okay. But I, I don't think I want to watch something that doesn't resemble hockey. Like, I don't think I want to watch. So how are they going to do a face-off then? Are they both going to skate in from the circle? So why are
0: they just – Why are the wingers exempt? So why do the the wingers have to stand two feet apart from one another? But the centermen who are taking the face off, I get that. No, no, that's just absolutely asinine.
1: (laughs) That's terrible. Yeah. See, the one thing about this, though, is you do bring up a point. You know, like um, Major League Baseball would probably go without fans. Yep. The National Hockey League may go without fans. The National Basketball Association, they may go without fans. These are networks with pretty good television deals, right? Mm-hmm. Where the CFL is such a ticket-driven league that that's why, going back to our first topic of uh, of this segment, that's why it's such a concern, right? But uh, yeah, no, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew has just been on a tirade <laughs> all day after reading Ryan Rashog's tweets and again... Uh, again Rye just a messenger. He's not saying no, that this 100%, is going no, I agree.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, good on him for uh, relaying that information uh, to the masses. Uh, although I would have uh, liked to see what uh, his reply thread on Twitter was like. Because, Watched uh, anything good on TV? Not really. No. Nope. Any of the
1: reruns? No. Nope. I saw, I saw, and it was a pretty good piece, um, Howie Long and David Ortiz were two of the guests talking about the Boston Bruins' 1970 run to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, So, of course, the famous picture of Bobby Orr. I see the Orr jersey behind you there, Matt. Mm -hmm. Bobby Orr's Orr's parallel dive as he scored the cup-winning goal to beat the St. Louis Blues. Um, But it's interesting. It was no contest in the day. The Boston Bruins were bigger than the Patriots. They were bigger than the Red Sox. They were bigger than the Celtics when they walked the streets. Those guys – Esposito and Orr and Sanderson and Hodge and Cheevers they couldn't go anywhere in Boston without just being they were the team they were you can imagine you know the Patriots with their Super Bowl wins and how they kind of trump everything in that area now well in 1970 it was uh it was the Boston Bruins so there was a great feature and they interviewed Howie Long who was from Massachusetts talked about growing up and 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 watching this and the reason I bring this up is because on this day, May 11th, 1972, Boston won their second cup in three years. They beat the Rangers 3-0 to win that series four games to two.
0: And I think on May 10th, which was Mother's Day, Sunday yep. was the 50th anniversary of the Bobby Orr flying through yes, the Yes, it air. was. was it yep. yeah. yeah,
1: yes, it was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. against the and, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, and yeah. that's right. And today, was, uh, today is the, the 48th anniversary of that May 11th. And it's also cabinet's birthday today too. May I
0: Yeah, it's, and I'm too angry to think about anything else right now. Yeah, no you've
1: really worked yourself up.
0: <laughs> That's terrible. I'm <You> sorry. <laughs> re-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Will you cool down before we do uh, next week's show? Next week?
0: It depends. It depends <laughs> what the developments are. <laughs> Oh, boy. But I think that pretty much wraps up our time for this edition of the YXE Sports Podcast. So, once again, a big thanks to uh, producer Ian, who does all the capturing for this and uh, uh, dropping it, if you will. So, fantastic job as always, Ian. And thanks a bunch. This can be found, well, pretty much anywhere. All the streaming digital services that you may like to listen to, our podcast is on there. We have a website, yxcsportspodcast.com. It will be on there. It will be on our Facebook page and also our Instagram page, yxcsportspodcast on Instagram. So uh, if you could go over there and send us uh, a follow, and I think we'll be uh, uploading the episodes to Instagram as well, or a link uh, anyway. So like I said, that pretty much wraps things up for this week. Ray Morrison, thanks a bunch. Producer Ian you bet Roach, you, thanks a bunch. Yep. Uh, stay safe, and we will talk to you again next week. Uh, week, maybe, possibly, depending on how the long weekend goes. But anyways, (laughs) take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.